Have you dumped everyone you've ever been with? You've never been the dumpy? Look, I've dabbled in being a bitch. It's part of the reason I moved here. I was really hoping to just leave it all behind me. Hey, lovebirds. We have unfinished business, I and he. He and me. Don't you talk to me about grammar. I dislike you, capiche? Tell it to the cleaning lady on Monday. What? Because you'll be dust by Monday. Um. Because you'll be pulverized in two seconds. And the cleaning lady, she cleans up. Dust. She dusts. One, two, three, now! <laughs> folks uh how are you all doing uh my uh, well this is episode 43 of dude and a monkey uh my name is ian loring and as always i am joined by Mark yes um coming up on this week's show uh main review is um what is the film actually like in the titles it's actually called the necessary death of charlie countryman isn't it it is, yes, but um, everything else is just calling it Charlie Countryman. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking at Wikipedia now, and it has it says Charlie Countryman. It doesn't say in brackets, also known as the necessary death of Charlie Countryman. So I, it, it's a strange one, that, really. Uh, and it's not even based on a book that's called The Necessary Death of Charlie Countryman. So who knows? We'll just go with, I think we'll just go with Charlie Countryman for now. They might change. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, we'll do that then. So, um, yeah, so we'll be taking a look at that. That's the um, Shia LaBeouf and Evan Rachel Wood starring um, indie, which is now on um, video on demand in the US. And uh, we'll also uh, talk about some trailers, some one old, one new, and we'll start the, uh, well, we'll continue the uh, Mer- uh, Christmas Merryfon. Merryfon? Yeah. yeah, Christmas Merryfon. Uh, with uh, the horror film Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, Mark, actually tied to Silent Night, Deadly Night, you're um, you're arranging well part of something soon uh, with regards to uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Do you want to um, tell the people? 
Uh, yes, uh, if you're in and around York around Christmas time, uh, not necessarily just if you live in York, because you might live somewhere else, you might be at uni there, and you might be going back to York because you live, you know, your parents live there or whatever. On the 22nd, uh, which is a Sunday, uh, we're doing another double bill uh, for the York Dead Meat. Uh, we're showing Silent Night, Deadly Night, and we're also showing Gremlins as well. As well as that, there's a quiz, there's free popcorn, there is hot dogs at a reasonable price, and sweets and uh you know a lot of other stuff going on um so it promises to be a fun night where we just show a couple of films show a lot of trailers uh and have and have a good laugh uh and it's also it's in a bar as well so you can drink very very nice um so yeah no absolutely that, that that'll be a fun time and you know we'll we'll get into the film but i mean i think with booze that it, it could be quite a good time frankly yeah um okay so let's uh let's well kick off then we'll uh we'll uh warm up a little bit with uh what trailers we've been watching this week and uh mark do you want to start us off uh yeah i mean the i suppose the big trailer that's come out in the week since we last recorded is the uh, the nymphomaniac trailer um that arrived was taken down and now he's back up again did you get to see it uh, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I, I, put out, I watched it and put out a tweet uh, afterwards sort of saying, uh, I might be completely misreading this, but Nymphomaniac looks like it could be a brilliantly dark black comedy. Um, but that might just be my sick mind. And a few people did actually tweet back saying, no, I definitely got that vibe as well. Um, knowing the, you know, Von Trier um, and the way that he's, he's almost, become um, a parody of himself in a way. Uh, he's taken on this image that has been sort of given to him and he's very much taken on that and that image is sort of absorbed into him and is being reflected in his movies. He doesn't... He, I don't think you can take his movies that seriously anymore as a whole. I'm sure there are going to be some very serious and very dark themes in Nymphomaniac, but I'm also quite sure that in its five and a half runtime that we might have a little bit like we have uh, with Love Exposure, where we you run through genres from um, you know deep black comedy to you know heavy melodrama and some quite sort of horrific and graphic scenes. Um, so I, I'm I'm very excited about it to be honest. Um, I, it is one where I will be day you know week one going to see it when it comes out the first part comes out and then week two straight away um in less of course the first part of it's absolute dog shit uh but i'm, I'm very much looking yeah nice uh, i yeah i mean i'm looking forward to it because of the people in it and the people buying the camera and whatnot you know i i will say i thought the trailer itself was kind of brutal um i thought it was you know, probably purposefully so, but I found it a really ugly trailer to watch. And, um, mm. the, you know, the editing in it was like super, super choppy, choppy, choppy as well. And, um, again, that's, that's probably intentional, but it still kind of felt like it was burning my eyes a bit. Um, so yeah, but I mean, aside from that, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, it, it looks good. I'm a little wary about the runtime. Frankly, is it being released in two parts? It is, isn't it? It has been released in two parts, yeah. Um, but it, it, it's still unclear whether or not that is going to be the that both parts are going to create the full uncut version, or whether or not they're both going to be slightly edited down anyway. 
and then when it comes out on, on blue, that's when we'll get the full uncut yeah. version uh, all together. So it, that will kind of influence, I suppose, the way that that I approach those those releases. Certainly, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, we'll we'll I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I can, I can run slightly slightly hot and cold with uh, Von Trier myself, and I. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it, it, it definitely could go either way. It could just be an absolute self-indulgent piece of crap. Uh, in fact, it's more likely to be a self-indulgent piece of crap than it is an actual compassmentous uh, piece of filmmaking. Yeah. But it's how much fun the self-indulgent crap yeah, is. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, but, you know, we'll see. Um, anything else, Mark? Yeah. Um, yeah, watch the. Uh, I'll, I'll get the, the good ones out of the way, and then I'll come up with a few shitty ones. Uh, I watched the trailer for Sabotage, uh, the new Schwarzenegger one from David Ayer, um, also starring sort of Terence Howard, Olivia Williams, uh, an unrecognisable Sam Worthington. Um, looks like a proper old school Arnie film. Um, very much looking forward to that. Uh, it's. I think we've, we've said it numerous times this year. It, it, it's it's cool that that kind of that the action genre. Uh, has kind of had a bit of a renaissance uh, in the past couple of years, sort of brought on by um, three films that were seen, you know, that, that were kind of deemed flops in A-Team, Expendables to a lesser extent, uh, and, and the losers were that year where, you know, this mixture of practical effects and actual, you know, fucking real guys, um, tough guys, again, came back and Sabotage looks like it's just continuing that vein very much looking forward to that it looks like it's going to be great yeah it does look fun it do, yeah it, it it does look fun um i i i I'm, I'm yeah i mean i'm a little worried that it's going to be a bit generic and just a bit blah but i i don't know arnie for me so far in terms of his comeback films he's like two for two for me out of um escape plan and um last stand so you know we'll see i mean it, it's nice that he's got He's got a, a, another solid director behind him for this, and um, I suppose, yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, oh, we, blimey, so, uh, yeah, uh, uh, well, sorry, I mean, looks, something's looks just little, going on my okay. computer. What the fuck is that? Sorry, there's some ads that's playing in the background of something. Uh, Jesus fucking Christ, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you were saying. Uh, it, it looked it looks a little bit when you, when you know the director's work his previous work it does look a little bit like they've gone super generic for the trailer and gone and, and pitched the trailer as a Schwarzenegger film rather than as a David Ayer film where you know there's going to be a little bit more depth there to it uh, and there's going to be a little bit more sort of story and actual there'll be there'll be a little more intrigue to it I would think based on the director's previous work in and around that kind of genre yeah with it being his kind of crime you know urban crime genre yeah I mean I, I think it's it's interesting that they are selling it as a Schwarzenegger film just because you know he's not really done anything like in terms of box office of note so far with yeah. his films, so it's weird that they are actually doing that. Um, I mean, it, it, again, we'll see. It's one of those ones that's coming out like early next year, and it, it's I, I I don't know whether maybe it's being dumped by the studio slightly, and I mean, like 
I'm sure the the performance of the last stand in particular has probably scared them, you know. But we'll we'll, we'll see. I, I I obviously I hold out hope. It just the cast is very very good. It just it looks a bit. I don't. It just looks a bit generic to me. But I, I mean, we'll we'll you know we'll see we'll see. I think I think that that's very much the eye. I think the thing is they seem to be going right at some point. We're going to get a, a, a big a big hit out of him, uh, and so they're just going to kind of plow a lot into Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger. Because at some point one of them is just going to hit a note, and they're going to end up making you know a fortune off this. Um, I mean, the weird thing is this is based on an Agatha Christie novel. Which one? Uh, Sabotage. It's actually called Sabotage. No, it's called, I think, uh, let me just have a double check. It's called And There Were None. Really? Yeah. First published in the... Uh... Wow. Wow. It was first published, right, in the UK in 1939, right? And I am not joking. It's, this was the title of the novel when it was first published, Right. Uh, and I'm reading this from here, so what is it? It was originally called Ten Little Niggers. Right. Are you... Are you Right, I'm going to look this up on IMDb, because I think they then renamed it Ten Little Indians or something. I Because the, the Sabotage was originally called Ten, and when you said Agatha Christie, I was thinking, yeah. we're not Ten Little Indians, surely. I've just got here writers Skip Woods, David Ayer. Yeah, I've, I've, I've on the... What is it? Um, yeah, on Sabotage 2014 film uh, on Wikipedia, and it says, writers uh, Skip Woods and David Ayer based on And There Were None by Agatha Christie. Uh, and I thought, well, that name rings a bell. I think it might be so the, the basic thing of the, the, yeah, people the getting killed off yeah. until there's only one left. You know, because a yeah. lot of people, I mean, a lot of people point to that um, John Cusack film, Identity, as being, you know, basically Ten Little Indians done, done over again. Mm. But, um... I like that film, Identity, actually. It's a good film. Identity's alright, yeah. I mean, it's kind of all about yeah. the twist, I suppose, but it's okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just looking at the cast now. I mean, it is an, it, it is an interesting cast. I mean, like, Olivia Williams with a shotgun or whatever it was is, is fun. But um, mm. yeah, I I I don't know. I just remember. I mean, the synopsis: members of an elite DEA task force find themselves being taken out one one by one after they rob a drug cartel safe house. It. I just that sounds kind of generic and Blair to me. But you know, what mm. do I know? What did Skip Rudd write recently? He wrote something. Live free or die hard. That was it. Good day, yeah, good day to die. Ah, yeah. He also wrote the A team. Oh, good day to die. And X Men. Yeah, he's one of he's a he's a bit of a jobber. He's he's just been around as Skip Woods, but he, he like it feels like someone who's always going to get a solid payday, but never an Oscar. Yeah. Um. Cool. Um. Well, uh, I watched the trailer for Sleepwalkers, uh, which just looks like a generic straight to um, VOD horror film. Um, nothing of note in it whatsoever. Yeah, um, I also watched the trailer to Gimme Shelter, um, which is a stars uh, Vanessa Hudgens uh, based on a true story about a 
a gig uh, that went horribly I, wrong. <laughs> it's you know, it, it's one of those ah oh, girl tries to escape her drug addicted mother kind right. of ones uh, and ends up in foster. But the thing is, there's in the trailer, you know, that when you get the the quotes that pop up um, that say, you know, blah blah blah, and you know, there's one that says. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens is a revelation and there's another one crops up and another one crops up. They're all from the same guy. Oh, really? And they're all obviously from the same review. <laughs> but there's three of them it's like, either this is the only guy who's seen it or this is the only guy that's seen it that liked it. Yeah, it's probably the latter. That's, that's weird. And it's a, guy, it's a guy from Movie Line as well. Oh, and the, 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 biggest, the big thing is when the film, when the trailer first comes up, it says, from writer-director Ron Krauss. I thought... Who the fuck's Ron Krauss? Who? <laughs> Am I supposed to be impressed yeah. in some way? Because I'm, I'm not. Yeah, no, totally. I, yeah, uh, yeah it, that looks looks shite. And um, a trailer for a film called The Best Night Ever. Right? Have you seen anything no. about this film? Right. Um, think, right... Somebody has just sat down and they've had a love film delivery of The Hangover, um, Spring Breakers, and let's say Project X or 21 and Over, right? And has watched those three films and gone, wait a minute, wait a minute, why don't we make a chick version of all these three films? And that's what Best Night Ever right. looks like. It looks fucking awful. I mean, just really watching it, I was just watching it thinking, I just, this is pathetic. To the point of where they actually, they go on a mini crime spree wearing neon coloured balaclavas. Nice. Yeah, and it's set in Vegas uh, where they're going on a hen night. Sorry, a bachelorette pie. Yeah, that sounds like Bobbins. It, it, it looks like Bobbins. Oh, and also, as well, one of them's filming it as well. Oh, of course. So at the end of it, they can watch it all. It, uh, fucking hell. Yeah, just looks fucking awful. I don't know why I, I, don't know why I watched the trailer. <laughs> Neither do I, mate. Right, that, that's, that, that's it from me for oh, trailers. Okay, I'll add... Um, watch the trailer for... Uh, the new trailer for Muppets Most Wanted, uh, which looks better than the first trailer. Um, I laughed a couple of times. I can't help but think it's going to, you know, I mean, like swapping out Jason Siegel for Ricky Gervais feels like a terrible decision, but we'll, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I'm a massive, massive fan of the first Muppets film, so, you know, I have hopes. And, um, John Hamm looks like, no, not John Hamm. Bloody hell, he does look a bit like John Hamm, though. Ty Burrell, um, looks like he's having fun there, so we'll see what happens. And, uh, yeah, do you know what? That's actually all I've got to add. Yeah. Not a great deal, really. No. Out trailers wise. No, I mean, there, there, there might be. I mean, I know next week we've got the first trailer for Amazing Spider-Man 2, and like the teasers for the summer films next year are going to be starting to come out over the next few weeks as we get closer to Christmas. But um, yeah, slower one this week. So um, we'll move on then, and uh, here is a uh, clip from uh, Charlie Countryman, and we will get right into that. 
Listen, I'm glad we bummed into each other like this. I want to apologize for my behavior. somewhat insane if I'm being honest with you. Can I be that? Be honest with you. Yeah. Regardless, I do apologize. Uh, what's a little piss among friends, huh? Oh. Right, Charlie. Enjoy your new mates and uh, your recreational drugs and the rest of it while you can. God knows it can all turn into blood in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Okay, so that was a clip from Charlie Countryman, uh, directed by Frederick Bond and starring Shia LaBeouf, Evan Rachel Wood, Mads Mikkelsen, Till Schweiger, Robert, uh, sorry, Rupert Grin and uh, James Buckley. Uh, story. Oh, John Hurt as the narrator. There was no narrator. No, there wasn't, was there? That's weird. Alright, anyway, um, odd. Um, so yeah, uh, basically story is, um, Charlie's mum, played by, uh, Melissa Leo, has just, um, died. And she kind of comes to him in a vision and says, you should go to Bucharest. So he goes to Bucharest, mm. where he meets professional celloist Gabby, played by Evan Rachel Wood, and falls pretty hard for her. But wouldn't you know it, she's got a gangster ex-husband, Nigel, played by Mads Mikkelsen, um, who still wants to be with her, and uh, it goes on from there, essentially. Uh, Mark, uh, what did you think of Charlie Countryman? Um, it's, it's a strange film, really, um, because it's it's a comedy, essentially, um, but it's got the, the framework and the tone of a of quite a heavy sort of drama, um, and there is quite a lot of heavy drama yeah. within it, uh, but there are also a lot of quite funny moments. I mean, one very funny moment that I thought was funny that I got to turn around to, excuse me, and Becky and say... Was I supposed to laugh out loud at that? And she said, no, I don't think so. And then, did you laugh at the bit where he got tasered? Um, I didn't laugh at it. I thought it was supposed to be funny. I thought it was doing that whole kind of American abroad, not knowing what they're doing and getting into stupid situations with foreigners, which which happens a lot in the opening half hour. Yes, I, I, I burst out laughing at that, and it, that kind of set the tone for the rest of the film. For me. I, I thought it was, I enjoyed it to an extent, but I, I did feel myself drifting a lot. There's a lot going on in this film, and not an awful lot of it really makes sense, and a lot of it you don't really care. Um, but I, I enjoyed the ride enough, um, and. I kind of enjoyed Shia LaBeouf in it, to be honest. Yeah, I I, um, I enjoyed it as well, uh, to a point, anyway. Um, it, mm. You know, it's a film I think I'm going to forget pretty quickly. Um, 
and it, 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 the thing is, it feels like a concerted effort on LaBeouf's part to try and start in something a bit more indie and a bit more edgy. You know, like, the, the whole... Mm. I, and, and the thing is, I don't think Shia LaBeouf's a very good actor, shock horror. And I don't think he's very good in this. Um, just because he's basically playing... He's playing his character from Transformers going to Bucharest and falling in love with a cello player. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't feel like... He's got that kind of you know, everyday boy, but who also always comes out with good lines and kind of, you know, has a slightly better than Val attitude, which I, I just get off LaBeouf anyway, and I get off him in, in films and in this film. Mm. Um, but I mean, I, I think that's the role, and I don't think he's pushing himself. I think it's just the fact that he gets bloodied up a lot, and, you know, it's like, oh, he does drugs, and we'll, we'll get to that scene. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought he was fine. Um, I mean, the, I mean, the other characters are essentially stereotypes. Um, I mean, Evan Rachel Wood is the, I mean, even though they call it out on the film itself, but then it's not very, you know, the film kind of thinks it's smart in saying like, oh, you thought you were just going to go to Europe and fall in love with this cello player. And it's just like, well, yeah, you're commenting on that, but you're also doing that. Um, yeah. which I thought was odd. And, I mean, Evan Rachel Woods, I mean, she's fine. She's kind of doing the typical European accent where everyone talks like this. Like yeah, this. And, and as well, did you notice about halfway through she forgets that she's supposed to be doing that? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and it, comes, it comes back again towards yeah, the end. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's full of dodgy propositions like that. Um, mm. But... And, but I mean, like, I mean, the, the fact is the, uh, the other actors are doing their own accents, you know, which is, which is fine because yeah. they're just doing their own accents and they're, they're, they're absolutely fine. And it's, you know, it's, it's nice for Till Schweiger and Mads Mikkelsen to do their own accents, even though they actually do them quite a lot. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, it, I, I, the, the, the whole, it does kind of do the whole stereotypes thing. I mean, like, uh, Rupert Grint and the, the kid from the Inbetweeners, like, they're, they're, I mean, the one from the Inbetweeners is playing him from the Inbetweeners, but, like, less abrasive. Um, yeah, a little bit more, like, like, like a little bit slightly more intelligent version yeah, of that character. Yeah, um, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I mean, I will say, I had fun with Rupert Grint. I, I thought, the kid, that kid, I mean, he demonstrated in the Harry Potter films, he's got good, he's got good comic timing. And, mm. like, so, some, like, some of the things... It, you know, he was coming out with and kind of like his low keyness. I actually appreciated. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, but as much, I mean, I, I liked how the film kind of went along at quite a nice clip that you know, there wasn't too much downtime. And when there was downtime, it felt appropriate. And I mean, it looked very nice and the score, the, the, the more traditional score bits of the music I liked, but, but yeah. then you've got, other bits of the the music which I thought were really bad and actually quite inappropriate. There's there's one chase scene where it's like this, just the, like that. It was it, it was a music yeah, yeah, video. Yeah, it, it totally was a music video, and it, it like even the fact that like the scene ends and then that music ends and it does just feel like right. I just watched a three minute pop promo, and I mean it, it just it yeah. didn't fit at all for me. 
And I, I wonder if the director's a first-time director. I'm going to have a look, actually. Because that kind, kind of thing feels like the work of... Yeah, it's, his, it's the first time he's done, a, he's done a feature film. And it feels like the work... A bit student Yeah, film, yeah. Think. Like someone who is trying to make an, imp- an impression and trying to be youthful, but it's not quite working out. Um... So yeah. yeah, I mean, I I thought the like I was I was very very mixed on the film, but you know I certainly I certainly didn't hate watching it through it. Um, it, it it yeah I I don't know it just I thought it was fine you know. That that's it. It is a very I mean Mads Mikkelsen seems like he's in a different film a little bit like he's in a much more serious film than this ever is. Um, Whereas the majority of the rest of it seems like it is not not spoofing on this thing, but it very much knows where it is. Whereas Mads Mikkelsen, he's a very serious character in it, um, and he's he's Mads Mikkelsen. He's always brilliant in everything he does. Um, uh, but there was, you know, Till Schweiger. Whenever he was on the screen, it did seem to have a bit of a a more jovial tone than uh, Mads Mikkelsen and essentially they're playing very much a similar character I mean the the whole uh, when they're in the office of the club and you've got LaBeouf um, and Grin and Buckley sat down and he's doing the pen thing yeah it, yeah. I mean that that's the thing I mean it, I know you said Mads Mikkelsen seems like he's in a different film but in that moment I thought Till Schweiger was coming, kind of coming at it from a different film just, just in terms of the fact that the way they're reacting to him and the way they're talking back to him like, there's just no way. There's e- even if you're yeah. off your face, which would make you less fast, to be honest and quippy. It just it, it didn't sell it to me. And I'm not looking for gritty realism, but it just in the moment what they were saying was quite funny. Like the the whole writing up up his arsehole, and they're like, well, how am I going to see that? You know, I, I I I don't think that would make me read it better at all. They're funny lines, <laughs> yeah. but. There's but, no yeah, they're, reality they're, they're, to them whatsoever, and I, I, that is a problem. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Uh, I completely agree there. They, they wouldn't... A man as serious as that wouldn't let them get away with that level of back chat. Well, I, mean, I, I just um, don't think those characters would do that back chat, frankly. You know, I mean... Maybe the Buffs character, maybe, but the other two, they just like they don't really know what the what the fuck's going on. I don't know. It just th- th- there were many many moments in this film that rang false for me. That that that's the thing. But I still, you know, like I say, I I didn't have a bad time watching it. It's 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 a weird one. I just I fairly nothing the film uh, 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 on the whole, yeah. you know. Yeah, it, 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 it's certainly one that. I'll never, I'll never watch again. But it's it's not one that I would that I, that I could ever say I, I disliked in any way at all. Really, um, it just it was it, it killed an hour and forty odd minutes, uh, and I had enough fun with it to make me not think that I wasted. Yeah, my time. yeah. No, I mean, I I, I agree, and I, I mean, you know. LaBeouf and Evan Rachel would act, like actually have pretty decent chemistry together, and I, I, I quite liked the, I, I did quite like the supporting characters, you know, and um, 
the just like the little characters, like the the kind of the um, the conductor of the orchestra who who is just continually pissed off with Charlie. I I, I you know I had I, I thought that guy just gave a good small performance. Um, and, but I mean, the, the, I think the film is reaching for something. I don't think it's just trying to be a throwaway hour and forty minutes. I think it's trying to reach for something. You know, with the Melissa Leo character kind of coming to him in these in these visions, and it, it, it's like he's having this great journey where he's going to wake up and decide what like what he wants to be and grow up as a man or something. And it just I don't know, the character of Charlie at the start didn't really feel all that different from the character of Charlie at the end, other than he had a hot European girlfriend. Do you think um, that in the original script, because I'm looking and I can't find anything about it, do you think in the original script he dies at the end and they changed it and added that last bit? Well, I I thought it was getting quite interesting when... Like I, I kind of thought for a second, stupidly, what if the girlfriend does just completely fuck him over and say, yeah, and say, I'm, right, this is, you know, I've made my bed, I'm gonna lie in it. Yeah, which would have been infinitely more interesting. It, it, um, than... it totally would have. And the thing is, a film like this is never gonna be a massive commercial success anyway. So why don't you go for the uncommercial ending? Why don't you go for the necessary death of Charlie Countryman. Well, that's it. You know that I I think that they that they originally did, and then they looked at it and went, "Hmm, do we?" Because this is getting released on February the fourteenth on Valentine's. I saw that. Weekend. Yeah. Have they gone? Right, we haven't got the film we thought we had. Do we put a romantic spin on it? and have them end up together at the end, and it's a nice story, and do it like that, rather than she fucks him over. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's interesting, and, yeah, I mean, that, that that's the thing. I mean, it, it's one thing that I, I don't like as well. That, that, I mean, Christ, I'm actually complaining about this film a lot more than I thought I would. The start of the film, when you've got the flash-forward to him, yeah. like, being suspended over the bridge and then dropping, and it, it just, you know, as soon as you see that, I'm just thinking, all right, well, that's obviously not going to play out like that, like that's just shown it, because otherwise... Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. It just, I don't know, even though I think after that he kind of wakes up or something, and it's it's almost like he was dreaming that he was having a prophetic vision or something, and it... Yeah, 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 exactly, and then Vincent D'Onofrio wakes him up. It just, it... I don't, I don't, it feels like they didn't know whether they wanted to do a quirky comedy with LaBeouf having a misunderstandings with Europeans and then getting into scrapes and falling in love, or whether they did want to go for something darker and more dramatic. It does feel like a film that's um, sitting between two stools, and yeah, that I mean that's a massive problem for it. Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah, I think that they just they couldn't work out what type of film they wanted to do and end up making a, a half-decent attempt at both that doesn't make a, a fully cohesive totally. film. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that, that's absolutely it. I mean, if we're saying shit, definitely shit or definitely not shit, I'd say definitely not shit despite the fact that I've been complaining for most of the review. 
because it's got enough going on that by the end of it, I was like, right, well, that's done. But it, 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 it's it's such a middling, definitely not shit, that I yeah, still, it, I don't know whether I'd recommend it. I would just say, if it looks interesting to you, you might have a good time. Yeah, I'd I, I certainly agree there. I, I think it's definitely not shit in the fact that it, it didn't do anything that made me in any way dislike sure. it. Or, or say, well, that that's stupid. At no point did I find it stupid. At points, it doesn't make sense. But at no point did I find it sort of stupid or, or it, did it veer off too far in one direction. Um, but it's, let's say it's not good enough that I'm going to be recommending it to people. But it, it's a sort of film where if somebody said to me they really liked it, they really got some out of it, I, I wouldn't sort of think, well, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, I think, well, yeah, 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 I, I, yeah, totally uh, good for you is exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, um, so it, it was definitely that. Like I say, LaBeouf's not a great actor. Um, Evan Rachel Wood isn't as good an actress as she seems to think yeah, she sure. is. Um, you know that the standout performances in the film come from the, you know, the older members of the cast the more experienced members of the yeah. cast. Yeah, it, 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 I don't know. It, it kind of feels like a career move for LaBeouf that's not gone as well as he probably thought it was going. I mean, the, the film has been getting some really, really fucking shitty um, like reviews. Like, really yeah, shitty I, reviews. And I don't think it's, it deserves that. I, I, I think part of that is, is people don't like Shia LaBeouf. I think that, that is the thing about that's the, it. That's you know, the thing. Could out on the same day. As as nymphomaniac, that's yeah. I don't. Know, it's it's. I, that's the thing. I'm not particularly looking forward to him in um in in nymphomaniac either, frankly. But I I I I, I don't know. It, it just it just feels like a nothing. I I, I mean, it, it just feels like Mads Mikkelsen and Til Schweiger just did it because they could they'd be closer to home than they would be shooting most movies. You know. It does seem strange that those those two guys doing it. So I'm guessing they did, they would have got paid a lot for it. You'd think, you know, not, and, you? yeah. You know, Mads Mikkelsen can. I, I would say he can't command a huge fee, but he can command a fee. Sure. Um, it, yeah, it does seem strange. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange idea of film, I think, but it, it doesn't not work. Or say. yeah, yeah, no, totally. So, were you shit or definitely not shit? Definitely. Okay, so um, right, let's let's move on then, because um, you know I think I think we're pretty much done with that. So what shall we do now? Let's talk about um, some one old, one new. After some promos, let's do some promos. Promos, yay! G G T M C live for you, fresh air. Big Willie and the Samurai are at your service, breaking films down and turning them around, giving recommendations that are always on point. Visit ggtmc.com for more information. The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to the trash since 1977. 
Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really it's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in, that's the third time though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Okay, so we are back. Those were some promos for podcasts and people we like. And uh, let's get into some one old, one new. Mark, hit me with your rhythm stick. What have you got? Uh, I only hit my one new. Uh, before I start talking about the film, I'm going to talk about in slightly more detail. Uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, which is a quickly said that I, I watched, um, Drinking Buddies, which I know you, you very much liked. Um, I, I also um, liked it enough. It's It's... It by no means it didn't have like a massive impact on me or anything like that. It, it, it made me, I enjoyed drinking a beer while I was watching it and it made me want to drink more beer while I was watching it. Um, and I enjoyed parts of it and other parts of it I, I really didn't enjoy and could have done without. Um, but the two lead performances were very good. Um, and I, was very worried about how um, about how anorexic Anna Kendrick looked in it. Yeah, she was thin. She it, 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 her legs are painfully thin. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a it's it's a fun kind of nice movie. I, I enjoyed it. Um, also watched um, finally watched the World's End. Oh yeah, what do you think? Um. I didn't hate it, but it—it's boring. Yeah, <laughs> it's what I found. I found—I I found it. See, I didn't—I didn't dislike it. Simon Pegg's character didn't annoy me as much as I—I I thought he was going to annoy me going into it. Um, the story was flimsy at best, um, incredibly repetitive. It literally is. They go at one bar, and then they go at another bar, and they go at another bar. And it, it, and just the same thing seems to happen all the way through it. There was enough funny lines, but I, I, I'll be honest, I I did find it a, a tough a tough film to get through. I I just found it a bit boring to be honest. Um, it, it's one of those. A lot of people have said to me it, it gets better on repeat viewings, and I, I I can see why people have said that. I can see that it might be one of those films that does get better on a couple more viewings um, but it's going to be a while before I can be bothered to watch it again to be honest uh, yeah no I mean I I, um, I liked it more second time round um, I, I, I'm actually rather at peace with it now which is nice um, but yeah I, 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 can, I can kind of see where you're coming from there but I, I don't know I, I, to be honest I think it's going to reward um uh, other viewings quite a lot. There's a, a lot of shit you notice second time round, which which is nice. You know, it kind of re- rewards the repeat. Mm. I mean, the, the other thing is, is I, I'm not 
a, as massive an Edgar Wright fan uh, as yeah, many sure. people are. Uh, I, I liked Shaun of the Dead. I, I liked Hot Fuzz the first time I watched it. Uh, and I only made it halfway through the second time I watched it because, I, again, I just got bored and I didn't like Scott Pilgrim. So it, it, I, I don't have that. He definitely has a certain style and a lot of the the battle scenes within this movie um, play out very similar to the, the way the camera movement and everything like that. It's, it, it, it did feel a little bit to me like, look what I learned on Scott Pilgrim uh, and a bit like that. And they went on far too long. A lot of the the, the bar brawls, okay, and enough. that's what was kind of boring me a little bit. But the, the film I talk about in a little bit more detail uh, was I watched Parkland, uh, which is a film where the the, the, the trailer for some reason struck a chord. I, I quite like the the whole um, JFK thing. I don't I don't get obsessive like it like a lot of people do, uh, and I don't claim to know fucking the intricate ins and outs of, about it, but. You know, in terms of a modern day world event, it, it, it does draw a bit of interest from me, certainly. Um, so, I mean, it's directed by uh, Peter Landersman. Um, I, the cast is, is, is very is very good. You know, you've got Zac Efron, Jackie O'Haley, uh, Colin Hanks, Marsha Gay Harden, James Bysdale, Ron Livingston, Jackie Weaver, Billy Bob Thornton, Paul Giamatti, Tom Welling. It's an impressive cast. Uh, you've also got um, Mark Dinkplass in there as well. And the idea of the film is it's it's not the story of the Kennedy assassination. It, it very much isn't that. It's how the Secret Service and how the, the hospital dealt with what happened. So the film plays you in uh, as um, Kennedy gets shot, um, and you know the, the, the you know the, the footage, the footage that everyone yeah, the Sabrina say yeah. Uh, of, of that uh, well that's Paul G. Matty's playing um, uh, Abraham yeah. Zavuda, um his character and so you're following him and you're following um, James Bajdale who is unrecognisable as James Bajdale uh, who plays Lee Harvey Oswald's um, brother yeah uh, and you're also following to a lesser you're not really following them but you're following the people who attempted to resuscitate um, Kennedy uh, when he's brought into the hospital, as well as the Secret Service. Um, now, it covers the, the sort of three, four days after um, that event. Um, and it's got a cast like that, and it's covering, you know, all of that. And one thing that we go on about a lot in the podcast is how films can overstretch themselves and how films can be often... 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, just too long. This film's 94 minutes. Um, and you, you can't tell that bigger story and that many uh, um, a character's story in that amount of time, yeah. really. And what what the film ends up doing is, is it, it ends up not telling enough of anybody's, any of these characters, and, and there's all of them are introduced, you know, and, and all of their stories are explored, but it, it's very much on a surface level. It's like a reading, I don't know, reading, it, it's like reading a Wikipedia page about the book it's based on, <laughs> and saying you yeah, read the okay. book. 
it, it's, it's very much like that. You get the, the surface information, the absolute minimum you can get to know the story. And you don't get beyond it. And then at the end, you get a little a little cue card that tells you more about that person. Um, for instance, Zac Efron's character, uh, who he plays the resident at the hospital. And this is a guy who, when Candy's brought in, you know, and it, it makes a point of, of, of saying that, you know, that they, they didn't know that Candy had been shot when he was brought in. Um, they didn't know that that, that had happened. So when he came in, they were they didn't were expecting him to be in that bad state, and there was no senior position on staff at that time. They were in a meeting, uh, and it was the resident played by Zac, e- yeah. Zac Efron who had to start the resuscitation process as they went and got the senior position to come down. Um, and you see that, but there's nothing else of. Uh, of those doctors and those nurses at all. There's no, there's nothing, there's no exploring them as people, how it affected them or anything like that. And that's what it's like for every single character. Um, the one who gets the most attention is James Badgedale, um, as, um, Lee Harvey Oswald's brother. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's strange because we, you know, in the past couple of years, we've seen James Badgedale in, the Grey, Flight, Iron Man 3, World War Z, Lone Ranger, and this. And it, he is... It, it, for a while, I, I was watching it going, I'm sure James Bysdale's in this. And it, it, it was it was up until about sort of ten minutes before the end that, and he'd been in it quite a lot by that point, that I kind of sat there and went, holy shit. He's playing on yeah. brother. He's he's very good in it, and all the performances are are very good in it. But it's just so skimming and surface, and you get the feeling like if this film was handled by, or the idea that the the book is based on was handled by somebody else, by a a more seasoned director, we'll say uh, that there might have been more there. Either that, or it was just rushed to, to get it out in time for the 50th anniversary. You know, because I mean, it, they only started shooting it at the start oh, really? of this year. Oh, blind. Yeah. Okay. In January this year. So I mean, for a, a movie of this kind of magnitude, you know, to get that out in, you know, from starting production to actually be out there in like. 10, 11 months. That's that's quick going for a you know a, a film as as seemingly complex as this was, um, and that's where it, it kind of it, it just fails to deliver on what could have been a, a really really interesting um, other side of it. Because we've seen the the aftermath of of, of the JFK. Assassination uh, with Oliver Stone's JFK, which is a magnificent film. Um, this would have been a, a very could have been a very interesting account of the the chaos that that sort of went on in the immediate few days of basically the Secret Service um, fucking up essentially and, and you know losing what was one of the most important men, arguably the most important man on the, the planet. Um, 
under their watch and how they're worried and how all these people that are close to him were grieving and there's all these different things that were playing out and it just doesn't manage to to get all of that. The idea of the film is a lot more interesting and a lot more um, a lot more harrowing and, and touching than the actual execution within this film uh, ever gets close to, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I've never had any interest in Parkland. It, it's, you know, I, I haven't seen Oliver Stone's JFK yet. It was on Film 4 HD uh, last week and I've recorded it, so I'm going to be, you know, it's one I'll probably be watching, like, when I've got the baby, like, trying to get her to sleep or something early in the morning one day, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just, so, you know, I haven't watched what's supposed to be the good JFK film yet. So it's going to be a while, if ever, that I actually get to Parkland, frankly. I've just, I've never been interested in it. It, it's looked a, it. it looked Oscar grabby from the start, and the fact it's produced by Tom Hanks kind of just, at, like, feeds into that for me. I, I, I just, I'm not... I'm not interested, and everything I've heard from everybody has made me more not interested. It, it, it's one that I would certainly say if you're, if you are vaguely interested, not, maybe not more than vaguely. If you if you have an interest in the the Kennedys and that idea uh, and that story, it, it's worth a watch. Yeah. Beyond that. I I wouldn't because I don't I don't see what somebody who doesn't have an interest in, in that would get out of that film much in the same way as I, I very much enjoyed Bobby uh, the film the Bobby Kennedy assassination but again I think if you don't have an interest in that whole story theme and thread. I, I don't think you'd get that much out of Bobby either. Yeah, again, yeah, exactly. It, it, Bobby's just one I've never had any interest in either. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. The thing is, I'm super, super interested in seeing JFK. It's just I want to sit down and I want to watch it all in one sitting. So it just, you know, like, like Malcolm X, and it, it, it's just like it's a long film that I, I want to indulge it, in. It's a, it's a long. I mean, I watched JFK a, a few weeks ago. Um, I got the Blu-ray of it. Uh, the Steelbook, which is a god. Oh yeah, it steelbook. is. Yeah. Um, I, I I got that, and it, it, it's a it's a great great film, and and that it, it deals with it, it looks a lot deeper, and you've got somebody as obsessive as Stone behind it as well. So there is there's that to take in as well uh, with Stone, and you know he he spent years researching that that film. Um, so yeah, like I say, if you really enjoy JFK and you come out of JFK going, that was fucking brilliant. Parkland's worth a look because it's ninety-five minutes. If if you really like, if that interested you enough, that's that's, the, that's um, like the most damning with faint praise thing you can ever say, isn't it? Is it? It, it is, <laughs> but it, it, it's 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 true. If it had been the thing is, if it had been two hours long and there'd have been more. There'd have been more detail in the story. It would have been a better yeah. film. But it, it, I mean, just think about it. You're telling the story of the four days of the aftermath of what happened with, you know, from Kennedy getting shot and trying to resuscitate him to um, the coroner for um, the 
Texas trying to stop the Secret Service taking the body back to Washington because he was because sh- it wasn't a federal crime; it was a crime within Dallas. Um, you've also got the Secret Service trying to get the tape um, developed. You've got them sort of dealing with the fact that puts up. Then you've got the Lee Harvey Oswald thing. You've also got the Lee Harvey Oswald's brother um, and his mother things taken into account. His mother was mental. Um, and then on top of that also as well, you've then got Lee Harvey Oswald himself being shot and going into the hospital. And the same people who tried to save Kennedy were trying to save Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, and you've got all of that. And it's, it, 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 you know, it's... It's half an hour shorter than this is forty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it 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 just once I saw that it started um, production in January two thousand thirteen, that just smacks at me of they rushed production, they rushed editing to get it out yeah. in time for this for, for the fiftieth anniversary. And um, it's kind of sad that there might be a better film. There might be a director's cut come out, but there won't because it's done shite. No one's going to ask for director's cut because nobody enjoyed the yeah. that cut. They they do feel a little bit like either there's been no movie there and they've gone just fucking just put it out now because there's no movie there anyway, or the marketing people have gone. We need to exploit the fact that it's the fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it totally does feel like that. I mean, to, to be honest, if it wasn't tied into the date so much, I wonder if this would actually get a theatrical release in the UK. You know, because it, it, even not. though you know, even though it's got a good ensemble cast, it's it's one of those uh, propositions where the, these days, it you know, a starry cast does not a theatrical release make. And I wonder whether this would have been better just being released on VOD, frankly, you know, and I mean, like, given how poorly it actually did do, you know, it, it I don't, it, in a year or two's time, you know, when the likes of the, the, the Doctor Who episode actually make the UK top 10, you know, like, so you've got that, and then you've got Parkland, which comes out and just doesn't really interest anyone, and disappears after a week. It, it's just one of those films that feels like is part of a sea change in how we watch movies. And I wonder even if people did watch it on VOD and didn't bother going out to the cinema to see it, whether they'd be kinder to it as well. I mean, you know, because, I mean, if you'd seen it in the cinema and you had to make the effort to see it in the cinema, might you have been more... Well, actually, I don't know if you saw it in the cinema or not, but if you hadn't, would you have been... Do you think you would have well, been... I, I saw it oh, fair enough. Do you, do you think you would have been the same... Yeah, do you think you would have been as kind to it if you'd actually gone out to the cinema to see it? No, I, 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 I probably wouldn't because the thing, the thing is, is, I would if I'd have gone to see that at the cinema, I, I would have come out of it and thought, shit, I could have seen yeah, straight, it exactly, exactly. Uh, that that would have been it. I mean, the annoying thing is, is um, that's played at my local view. Um, for two weeks, and it's played at uh, my pitch house as well a couple of times. Um, Don John has not played at my local pitch house yeah, at that's all. Weird. Uh, Don John, I was going to see Don John this week because I didn't get to see it last week. Don John's yeah. gone. Don John's gone. Um, yep. 
Uh, and Blue in the Warmest Colour isn't playing anywhere near me. It was playing in Leeds on Saturday night at half past nine. Fucking and I thought, hell. oh, I'll go and see it. But then I thought, hang on a minute, that means setting off to go to Leeds when all the pissheads from York are on their way to Leeds, then going to see a three-hour subtitled film uh, that isn't going to really probably start till ten o'clock. Who the f- uh, And then coming back at the two hour, uh, 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 two in the morning. Right, let's slightly tangent. Let's slightly tangent. Um, what cinema booker was mad enough to do that? I mean, like, my I, I went to see Blue is the Warmest Colour on, on Sunday, and there was a show in at 11.50, you know, which is fair enough, and then there was one at around about four-ish, and then there was one yep. at half seven. You know, yep. that's, you know, but half seven's perfect. And 11.50, to be fair, is not bad as well, because, you know, you've got most of the morning, you go in. I mean, like, I, I, I think I got out about quarter past three. And, you know, so it's yeah, not it's, like you've spent your entire day watching it. No, it, it's three hours, isn't it? And it's um, three hours long, and you've got 30 minutes minimum of trailers, haven't you, really, yeah. usually. Um, so you're looking at three and a half hours. So yeah, so one in the morning that'll have finished. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I mean, it just it, who, it, it, what it, cinema booker does that? Like they, they exactly. must it, have it, known. York, well, that that's it. It, it. it it just seemed a strange time to put on. I said, if it had been in York, I'd have gone to see it, even if it had been at that time. I, I would have still gone. But the fact that it was just too far. It was too. It, it, it's an hour and a bit there, an hour and a bit back uh, from house to, to cinema. So it would have been like a six, seven hour trip. It would have been, I'd have had to set off about sort of seven o'clock and I wouldn't have got back till half two in the morning. Yeah, you see, that's 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 bobbins. Like... And I, I thought, yes, I'm probably going to... It, 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 there's enough people that I, I, I respect opinions uh, and I trust opinions to know that, yes, I'll probably get a lot out of it and it, and it is going to be a very good film. But then I thought, but, but, it's also got a prolonged um, lesbian sex scene in it. Am I going to end up getting annoyed and somebody, and Brad on Twitter yeah. kind of back? This idea of, am I going to get annoyed because somebody can't control themselves being uncomfortable during that scene and start giggling? And I thought, is it better that I see this film at home where I'm not going to end up getting annoyed? Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's there's definitely that argument. I mean, when I went to see it, I, I'll be honest, I laughed to myself a bit and it would have been audible at one point, just because I really thought it was over, like, the sex scene, and it's just like, definitely get the point, yes, it this makes sense in terms of the story, and the characters, and their relationship, and what they're expressing through this, that's great, and then it cuts, and then it just keeps on going, and there was somebody on Twitter who said to me it reminded them of Team America, and I kind of get that, where it, it's just like it's got from, gone from one position to another completely different position, and they're still going at it hammer and tongs, and it, it, it is just a bit like fucking hell, 
you know, just like like that, not, <laughs> you know, not like that, just, you know, blimey, Charlie, yeah. they're really fucking going at it, you know, and, and it's, you know, and it made me laugh as well, this, we only had one walkout, and it happened about 15 minutes in, and it was blatantly someone who kept, walked in just thinking it was going to be a porno, and then the first quarter hour is this girl tentatively, is she, is she not? I'm going to have this relationship with this boy and, you know, like, and the relationship she has with her friends in school and there's no lesbian stuff whatsoever. I mean, it, it, I mean, the sex scene doesn't happen for a solid, it's got to be a, at the very least an hour, you know? So, I mean, Christ, if you're going into it for that, you've got a long wait, frankly. Yeah. And, but it, it, that, that made me laugh. But yeah, the, that, that whole thing, I mean, cause it was interesting. I saw that whole, um, conversation that Brad was having with um, at Filmland Empire, um, uh, Laurent, I think uh, his name is, if I remember correctly. Um, and yeah, it's... The, the, the thing is, it's weird. The audience going to see that film at a press screening or paying for it or whatever should be an audience going in to see the Palm Door winner. That film. And, and, yeah. and treat it with the respect that, frankly, that warrants. You know... But do you think the fact that it, it, it has been quite that that, that, that portion of it? It's, um, it's the thing that's most widely talked about, been, which is yeah, uh, it, it, and it, that that will attract attention of a different. Oh no, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you, abs- absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, this this guy who walked out part way through, he was blatantly going to it for the tits. You know, because otherwise you wouldn't walk out after, after 10, 15 minutes, you don't walk out of a film unless it was just like, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm done. And I, I, I'm yeah. not saying that's not even like a porno. It's like, fuck, if I, if I walked into Tyrannosaur and I thought that it was going to be about a resurrected T-Rex and then the opening, yeah. the opening yeah. 10 minutes is Peter Mullen being horrible to Olivia Coleman and killing a dog, you know, I, I'd probably, you know, I, if I was that person, I'd probably walk out as well. But, you know, it, it's, yeah. it, it was blatant, it was just blatantly this guy wanting to be turned on and he wasn't in the first 10, 15 minutes we fucked off. Yeah. It, it, that, that was, it was, it was my worry that, that, that that might happen. And I, I had a similar thing. I had, um, free tickets last night to see, um, Mandela uh, Long Walk uh, Freedom and uh, that's another one that's two hour two and a half hours long uh, and I've been to these uh, quite a few of the the um, sky screening ones it was a sky screening one um, and they're always packed you know they're always absolutely every seat is, is yeah. taken Um and they are people who are going to the cinema because they've got free tickets through Sky. They have no interest in whatever film it is. For instance, I saw The Raid on it. I remember you saying uh, it at the time. On, yeah. on the road. And, and so many people left as soon as the subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I thought, shit, I'm actually quite interested in this Mandela Long Walk to Freedom film. But can I be bothered to sit there for two and a half hours with people who come in with nachos, hot dogs and popcorn and have no idea, you know, who are going in going, who are going to say it within the first 10 minutes, are going to go, oh, it's that bloke from Luther. 
would have. I, I, I can guarantee in my mind it's saying that at least five or six people would have said that out loud and I'd have gone, fuck it, I ain't paid, I can leave. Yeah. I'd have gone. Because at the time, uh, I was going to go and see that and Becky and Isabel were going to see um, Catch okay. Fire. But I'd have had to wait an hour before, because they were going at half five to see Catch and Fire. And I thought, right, how many more to sit in the cinema on my own, not watching a film for an hour, and then go watch something that I actually really want to watch in a cinema full of people who've got in for free, who are just there because it's free. And I thought, I'd prefer to wait until it comes out in January, pay my money to see it on a Sunday morning, and probably be the only fucker there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that, that, that's that's a fair point, actually. I mean, the thing is, apart from this one guy, my audience were good as gold. You know, like I mean, like I I I went with a, a, a mate from work, and um, you know, we we were kind of like whispering to each other like about a couple of a, a couple of things, like jury, you know, as as people do. But aside from that, there, there was just nothing. You know, people were very yeah, very I respectful mean, and just watched it. I mean, I, I, had, I had, you know, two of the week I went to see Gravity, uh, when I went to see that, in a packed cinema, um, at one of the biggest screens uh, at my local view, um, and it was packed, and nobody spoke at all, all the way through it. it, you know, it was, it was, it was a perfect viewing audience, and then I saw The Counselor in one of the smallest screens in the cinema, uh, there was barely anybody there. And most of them were nobbets. I mean, like, talking, offering each other sweets. A guy constantly checking his phone. A guy, the same guy who was constantly checking his phone, answered his phone in the screening. Uh, and stuff like that. To the point of where, had we not been covering it for the podcast, I'd have just walked out and gone out and said, can I have my money back? Because, what you know, it's fucking, I'm not sitting in there with people yeah. chatting yeah. on their phone and shit like that. I thought, no, nah, I'm doing it for the podcast, and I'm not. Also, I'm not enjoying it enough to to be that distracted. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's a fair comment as well. It, I, I, I don't know. I mean, in in the end of the day, like the the, the way the way cinemas are going at the moment, where you know, I, I referenced Doctor Who earlier on the fact that I made so much money. You know, they're going to be all about the event cinema with like TV episodes in the cinema kind of stuff now. The, the way it's that and, and blockbusters in the cinema, you know, frankly, I'm getting to the point where, you know, I, I used to be a massive advocate for going to the cinema and having that experience. But now it's just like if I can watch it on my nice big telly with my nice big surround sound in the comfort of my own home, uh, you know, and just, you know, watch it in peace. You know, if it, you know, it, it's going to be fine. And the thing is, you know, a lot of the films that we we cover already are VOD titles, and I think that's just going to increase as we go on. And that's mm. fucking fine by me. I, I, you know, yeah, and I think is. it will just lead lead to a lot less bother, frankly. It is. I, I, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sad thing, because I love the cinema. I, I love going to the cinema. I love the action of being in the cinema. I love the whole experience. Um, it, it, it's... In the saddest way possible, it, it, it's still like my special yeah, sure, place. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and I, 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 I majority would go to the cinema on my own yes, as well. Same. Um, so I, I, I love that experience, but 
there is nothing worse than that experience of sitting down and looking forward to whatever it is you're about to watch and then constantly being sat there going, look when people walk in and thinking, oh God, they're going to be on their phones. Yeah, the worst thing is, is when you see a group of three girls and two guys come in that are under the age of yeah, 30. Sure. Because you know... And they sit down and immediately the feet go up on the seat and the phone comes out and you're thinking, right, it's all right as long as when the BBFC cue card comes up, the phones go away. You know, they can do whatever the fuck they want throughout the trailers. They shouldn't do, but yeah, fuck it, you know. But then, and, and you know, and for the first 10 minutes, you, I, I always get a little, and I shouldn't, and I know it's really sad and really stupid, but I'm always a little bit tempted and thinking, Please nobody fuck this up for me. Please nobody fuck up this experience yeah. for me uh, of watching this movie by being a cunt. Yeah. And then so often it happens, and you think, why is this becoming okay? You know what? You're supposed to. You're not supposed to use your phone, and you're not supposed to excessively yeah. talk. You know, there's the you know the little whisper across the side is fine, it's fair enough. But the having a conversation, it it, it just uh, it it intrudes on my experience of the film, and I don't like the fact that I can't control my environment at home. I can control my environment. Yeah, totally. It's um, I mean that that's the thing. It, it just it's the it's the fact that you actually get apprehensive about going to the cinema these days as well. You know, it, it, it's it's it is a bother, but I, I think we've probably um, uh, we've probably talked on it enough uh, for for one day. So, um, what, yeah. what do you think? Yes, yeah, yeah, certainly, yeah. So, what's what's your uh, one old one? Um, okay, I'll. Um, so that was your one. Uh, that was your one new, wasn't mm. it? So I'll go for my one old. Uh, yeah, okay, so I will, yeah, it's actually the only old I've got, really. Um, yeah, so I rewatched Man of Steel, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of doing, because obviously it's getting towards the end of the year, so you're rewatching stuff, you're, you're kind of like trying to take in stuff you haven't seen yet for like lists and stuff like that, and I wasn't yeah. like going in thinking Man of Steel was going to be in my top ten or whatever, I mean like I, I remember being fairly apathetic to Man of Steel in, in all honesty in the cinema, but I think for a combination of a couple of things, again, the, the fact that I, 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 did, I, I was watching it at, at, at home, and Part of this was really just due to the fact that when I went to see Man of Steel in the cinema, by the time I got in the screen, it was pretty rammed. And I basically sat in the front, uh, like the front few rows. Now, on a big, in a big screen, which it was because it was like opening week. Actually, I think it was opening day. On a big screen, in scope, and two and a half hours where the last 40 minutes or so is a lot of stuff blowing up with a lot of fast cuts. It, I found it quite tiring by the end. Whereas this time, watching it at home, I still, I still think the, the final act is appreciably worse than the first two. But I appreciated the first two more. I really, I think the first act of Man of Steel is 
actually, in terms of pure quality, I think is up there with like the Dark Knight. Yeah, in terms of comic book movies, the the first act of Man of Steel I think is rather sublime. Uh, I mean, the opening twenty minutes on Krypton, the visual imagination going on in that is awesome. The 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 realization of Krypton as this kind of like on the verge of destruction, mythical place with flying dragon beasts, and you know these like communicator things where. It's like the the people are like formed through this grey kind of weird metallic kind of surface. Their face kind of like comes through that. I I I, I that kind of stuff's awesome. But I mean, I also think Russell Crowe's actually pretty good as Jarrell, and his interactions with, Mike, with Michael Shannon during that bit are, are, are solid. And the the whole kind of the the melancholy of Kal-El being alright, but the world being destroyed, I think is actually pretty well played out. And I think the early Clark days, I really like the interactions between the kid and Kevin Costner. Um, I like the cinematography. Yes, it's very going for Malikian, if you want to say that, in terms of how it looks. But having that visual style applied to a comic book origin, you know, I think is is an original thing, and I like it. Um, and, you know, I mean, like, the, the, the second act, I mean, with, with Amy Adams kind of I- I investigating it all, and, um, and, you know, and the kind of the, 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 the idea of um, Superman handing himself over to, uh, to, to, to Earth, and then it's the Earth people deciding what to do with him, and him being his own man. I think, you know, that stuff's really interesting. I like the fact that it is an origin story, but... It doesn't actually feel like a rehash. It's doing plenty different, even though it's got these characters from previous films. You know, and I mean, even like General Zod, like the, the way he communicates with the world through that weird thing that uh, the uh, transmission that comes through the TV and the mobile phones and stuff. I, I like that. And then when the action does kick off in the third act, I actually think the action's yeah, pretty solid. I mean, Snyder is a good action director. He's not all chop, 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 chop. He does let things play out to a certain extent. And I appreciate that. And, you know, this the whole thing with people saying, oh, but what about all the destruction, the fact that Superman doesn't bother saving anyone, blah, blah, blah. In the end of the day, you know, you look at a film like Avengers. Yes, it has got plenty of shots of, like, people running and stuff like that. But, I mean, did, did Man of Steel really need shots of people running away? I mean, it kind of does with, like, Lawrence Fishburne and whatnot. But, like, random people running away from the destruction. Or can we just let these things play out? That, in the end of the day, Superman's got to destroy Jor-El. And no, he's not going to be able to save every cat up in the tree to do so. And, you know, maybe that's not the Superman that we've had before. But then again, what he does with Jor-El at the end is not what we've had with Superman before either. And I, you know, I I thought it was actually rather brave of Goya and Snyder and Nolan to actually, you know, fuck with the character in that kind of slightly fundamental way. But still, I, I, I just, I like the fact that he's not the most boring superhero on the planet anymore. And he's yeah. got something more to him. And I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, on second watch, it went, 
you know, it went up a, a, a decent amount in my estimation. What did I give it on Letterboxd? I'm just having a look now. Yeah, it went up from a, I think it was a three or three and a half to a four. And to be honest, it might go up on subsequent viewings. I've got the, the 3D Steelbook um, um, ordered, and I am actually planning on watching it again before year's end. And, you know, it will be the only comic book movie this year that I would have seen, like, three times. So I think that probably says something. I, I don't know. I actually, and also, Hans Zimmer's score is fantastic. It, it, the, the score is fucking awesome in Man of Steel. It's so propulsive. Uh, I, I, you know, and it, I mean, it's percussion led and it, it, it is great. And the main theme is awesome. Okay, it's not John Williams, but nothing would be, but it, but it's awesome. So yeah, I mean, I, I've got to say, give, give it another go if you were a bit mad with it first time round. I mean, I, I, I actually really quite liked it first time round. I'm, I'm looking forward to giving it another, another, another watch. Um, certainly. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I, I think you should. I think you should. It's, um, it, it, I, I, I really, really enjoyed it this time round. I, I like to say, I'm really, I really am genuinely looking forward to seeing it again. Cool. And at this point, I might get a drink actually, if that's okay. Yeah, I'm gonna start. I'm drinking root beer. Ugh. Root beer. Um, can, can people tell we just had a little break then? Um, so, uh, Mark. Yeah. Uh, it's like carbonated cough syrup. Beautiful. Incredible. Beautiful. Yes. Um, it literally, it, 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 could, it could rot the insides of a rhino. Fucking hell, nice. Uh, Mark, on that note, uh, do you want to uh, give us your one old, sir? Yeah, I, the, whew, I watched a few. Um... Uh, this this week, um, and I'm not really sure which one to go into. Um, rewatched Django, still adore it. Um, I rewatched again, rewatched Skyfall, uh, still like it, but don't quite adore it. Rewatched um, Dark Knight Rises, uh, and I still have the opinion of I don't give a shit what people say. It's not going to stop me. Uh, it's fucking that movie. great. Is Dark Knight uh, Rises. It, 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 that's the sixth or seventh time nice. I've watched it, and, and and I could quite happily watch it again tonight. Um, I, I I sat down and watched it and thought I only watched half an hour of it because um, Becky was I think she wasn't quite back from the cinema. That was it because she went to see Catching Fire. Wasn't quite back from the cinema. I thought I'll watch half an hour, forty minutes of this, then she'll be back, and then. Um, we can watch yeah. it else, uh, and I end up watching it all. Um, so I, I absolutely love that movie. I think it's it, it's it's brilliant. But I think we 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 spoke about it on previous on the podcast. I think I spoke about it on this podcast before as well, actually. Um, uh, but the the main thing I'm going to talk about is I watched uh, rewatched the film um, Copycat, um, 1995 um, psychological thriller starring Sigourney Weaver, uh, Holly Hunter, Dermot Mulroney. Uh, and briefly Harry Connick Jr. Um, Becky's been wanting to rewatch this for ages, um, so I, I got a copy of it and we, we watched it on. Um, I think it was yesterday. Yesterday afternoon we watched it. Um, yeah, the idea is uh, well, the, the story is um, Scott Weaver plays um, a professor uh, of criminal psychology um, and. At the start, she's she's an expert on serial killers, and at the start, she's giving a lecture on serial killers. Um, 
she then goes to use the uh, the, the restroom and is uh, attacked by Harry College Jr.'s character, Daryl Lee um, Cullen, uh, who is a wannabe um, serial killer. Um, and after the events of that, it, it throws us forward sort of 13 months and you've got Holly Hunter... Uh, and Dirk Mulrooney are uh, investigators investigating what appears to be a um, serial killer. Um, and uh, you've also got um, Scooby's character is now uh, a shut-in. She's agor- she developed agoraphobia uh, because of the trauma that she received, and she shuts herself in. Uh, but she's following this kind of story on the news, and she's also hacking into police scanners and stuff like that. Um, and from there she starts making what they think are crank calls um, to the police which detail sort of bits of evidence they've missed and sort of gives essentially a psychological profile of this new serial killer Um, and then you have Holly Hunter's character decides that maybe this woman isn't an absolute crazy uh, and seeks her help helping out Uh, it turns out that she is crazy but she is also quite a lot of help as well um, Copycat's one of those films that it's it's a really solid thriller. You know, it's not it's not amazing enough. Um, it, it, it kind of it was released around I think if I remember this correctly, and I'll double check this now. It was released around the same time as Seven um, was released. Uh, in terms of it was released in the same year and around actually I think they both got released around the sort of same time uh, actually theatrically as well yeah they did um, you had Seven was released in the September of 95 and Copycat was released in the October of 95 and so it, it it kind of when it's going up against that serial killer movie um, that stronger serial killer movie and you know Seven wowed everybody when it came out and was, you know, a, a bit of a runaway hit. You know, nobody expected it, you know, Fincher's film to make as much as it did. And Copycat, it almost, in a way, ended up feeling a little bit like a copycat of that movie, despite the fact they were shot at the same time. Uh, but it, it's it's a really um, solid, you know, psychological thriller. You've got two great female performances, Sven Weaver, who... She plays an arrogant bitch very well. Um, She's kind of made a bit of a career out of playing an arrogant bitch. And then Holly Hunter plays the, you know, the a little bit more intelligent, a little more savvy than most uh, inspectors. Um, She plays that quite well, and she has a certain vulnerability to her. Again, they're kind of recalling... Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs with her, if I remember correctly. They are a, a little bit, but there's there's less of the um, uh, you see, I'm not a big Silence of the Lambs fan. Um, and part of the reason why I don't like Silence of the Lambs is because I don't like Jodie Foster's performance in it. Um, I think with this, I'm not comparing the films, I'm not say, saying that, but there's less um, damsel to Holly Hunter's performance sure. in this um, than there is um, it is a little bit of Silence of the Lambs is intelligent doctor breaks brilliant FBI yeah. lady there, there is there is that no matter what 
where people will try and spin it or anything. I, I, that's what I get out of it. She does come across in Sansa Lands, I think, as quite a pathetic character. Um, but that's a whole other sure. story. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's one of those. It's a copycat is a perfect. Um, if it was on Netflix, I think a lot of people would sure. watch it because it's one of those ones where sort of I'd have watched it and gone, I can't just watch Copycat, great film, and then somebody else would have gone, do you know what, I remember renting that on VHS, and I remember enjoying it. And, they, and it'd be a spiral effect film, where one person would watch it, and loads of people would end up watching it, and it, it'd end up sort of growing back to that, and people would end up appreciating it. Not saying that, that personally, I I would probably have watched it because somebody else watched it, or something like that. But it'd be one of those where everyone would go back to going, do you know what, it's a solid 8 out of 10 psychological thriller. Um, but unfortunately it's not anything like Netflix um, and it it is still kind of living a little bit in the shadow of Seven which you know is an incredible movie yeah yeah no absolutely Um, I don't know I haven't seen Copycat for years the thing is though I still I always remember the last shot of that film the the him staring at the camera like it Mm. was just it's quite a striking moment you know but apart, apart from that I remember nothing about the film well, that's what I'd say. Uh, I'd track it down and I'd give it a give it another watch. You know, it, it's it's a good winter rainy night film yeah, to watch. Sure. It, it, it's one of those. Uh, you don't have to be, you know, you, you don't have to be absolutely switched on, fucking, you know, straight and be like complete fucking absolute attention. You can kind of just kind of relax it have a couple of beers and just let it kind of wash over you. It's that kind of absorbing kind of thriller. Um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Great film. Um, doesn't get anywhere near the credit it, it, it should. Fair play. Fair play. Nice. Okay, so um, I'll move on to my one new. I'll just... Um, I'll, I'll mention quickly um, Computer Chess, which came out in cinemas in the UK. Well, probably like two cinemas in London in the UK on Friday. Um, but it, it's actually play, already on US Netflix. Um, oh, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, so... Um, which, which was awesome. Like, I was just... I figured out how to get US Netflix on my tablet. And uh, I was just in bed and I, like, I wasn't going to sleep yet. And I was just scrolling along. I was like, oh, shit. Fuck, that's on there. All right, then I'll stick that on. Uh, which was, um, it's all right. The, the first half's better than the second, I think. It, it starts off as quite a, a funny little odd comedy with, you know, weird black and white cinematography. Uh, well, not weird cinematography. It just looks like it was shot on video. And it, it, I mean, it's interesting from a stylistic point of view. Kind of falls apart a little bit um, when it, it seems to be trying to say things. Um it's more successful at kind of observational humour than it is that, but, you know, it's all right. I'm also playing on US Netflix at the moment, and one I also watched on my tablet in bed. Because, um, like, basically, like, Donna's, Donna goes to bed fairly early, so I usually go to bed with her and then just stick something on. So it's like, tonight I'm planning on um, watching, uh, or at least most of, uh, Waking Fright. Because um, I think that's on US Netflix, if I remember correctly. If not, then I, that's my plans for the night ruined. But um, I, 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 I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Okay. Waking Fright. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, brilliant. So I'll be watching that tonight. But um, yeah. So uh, this is a, a band called Death, um, which has been getting a, a, a fair bit of positive word. I don't know when it 
first... It feels like a film that's just been playing festivals and whatnot, and, you know, it'll have some sort of rollout over here, like, next year or something like that, but it's, you know, already actually uh, available. I'm just seeing what kind of, like, journey to the screen it's actually had. Um... Okay, yeah, so we played South by Southwest in um in March of this year. Um but yeah, it's it's already on Netflix. Um story is um a little bit like Searching for Sugar Man. It's basically um a a band, a musical act kind of before their time doesn't really get too huge and then and then they and then they disappear appear only to be kind of rediscovered later on even though searching for sugar man it turns out he was like big in in i think south africa or something whereas with this they just seem to disappear completely um but it, it starts off with it, it basically goes chronologically um as opposed to kind of saying oh you know they were just uh, they, they were newly discovered that they were discovered again and then like rewinding or something and it's these three brothers um who basically make a uh, punk band and they made uh, one uh, one album and uh, then they basically uh, two of them uh, split off and formed a reggae band and the other one basically turned into an alcoholic and died which was uh, really sad um, but yeah they, they get rediscovered and then um, they're like one of their sons like finds out that their music's being played in like underground clubs and then he forms a ba- like a tribute act to them uh, uh, like to try and get their music around as well so that's an interesting wrinkle in it um and yeah i mean it, it's it's really 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 enjoyable and it helps that the music's fucking cool uh, i'm planning on playing a bit of it at the start of the show so um that there's that um and uh the the idea of like the the son taking the the music and play and 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 forming a band and playing it themselves to get it out there and then eventually the band actually kind of slightly reforming with a new member uh, at the end slight spoiler alert but you know it's a documentary so um documentary so um yeah um it's just yeah it's it's it is a lot of fun and it is very entertaining i will say it faulted for me a bit in that it's very, very, very reverential towards the brother who died. Um, you know, it's the the two surviving brothers are paying tribute to him an awful, awful lot. And they're, they're kind of saying how much of a, a kind of a genius he was. And, you know, that's that's lovely from a family point of view. But the, the, the film itself, it kind of feels like it's writing emotional checks that it can't quite cash with the audience. You, you don't. Mm. You don't feel, I mean, apart from like on a basic human level that, you know, it's a family member being lost in it in a kind of a horrible way, you know. Um, actually, I think he died from cancer, but he, he became an alcoholic, but, but then got cancer. So, um, it really, really sad. Um, so, I mean, on a human level, it's, it, it, it is sad, but you just don't, I, I, I suppose in a, in a way, if you're being, if you're being slightly cruel, you don't really get a sense of, his brilliance and in it, you know it, it does get a little bit indulgent um but it but in a kind of a nice way for this family but in terms of a documentary it's it's not as 
fulfilling for me as Searching for Sugar Man was. You know, by by the time Rodriguez is kind of getting the acclaim he's he's now gotten, it, it feels like it's a life's journey has been has been leading up to this, and it is overwhelming and lovely in that film. At least it was for me. Here, it is it is very very nice, and you know, seeing the music be appreciated is 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 good. But it just it doesn't. I think it might be the fact that. This band, like the, the, the two brothers who formed another band, were actually quite successful in their own right, and they actually seemed pretty happy anyway. Whereas Rodriguez was just like he was not doing anything with music at all, and he got a second cha- a chance at it. So uh, maybe, maybe it's just that. But I mean, it's you know a solid four out of five. It's really, really, really worth a watch. I mean, the music is fantastic, even though it does hurt that Death only like recorded about seven or eight tracks. So you've got those tracks kind of scoring the film repeatedly throughout, ah. which which is a problem, um, you know. But they 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 you know what what was the director going to do? Use somebody else's music, you know? Obviously, he couldn't do that. But yeah, it's it's worth a watch. I think I think you'll dig it, bud. Ah, oh, cool. I, I, I've actually I've looked at it a few times and, and thought, oh, I'll give that a watch, and then end up watching something else. Um, I think is it is it produced by Scott Marzio? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He produced the Millius documentary as well. That's right. Yeah, he's doing a few documentaries at the moment. I just noticed that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, it's one I'm definitely stepping on my list of stuff to watch in the you know the coming weeks before the end of the year. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, all right. So that is it for one old one new. Uh, we will play the trailer from the next part in our uh, Christmas marathon. We're going to take a look at Silent Night, Deadly Night, and then let's get into it. T'was the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. So it's the next part of our Christmas uh, Christmas Merry Fun. Uh, we're going to take a look at Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984, directed by Charles, uh, Charles E. Sellier Jr. And, um, yeah, the story is... What is the story? Uh, Billy has a really, really, really bad Christmas Eve, where he, um, <laughs> to say the least, where um, <laughs> he's told by his catatonic... Well, seemingly catatonic granddad that, um, if he's naughty, Santa Claus will get him. Uh, 
on the way back from the mental institute where his uh, granddad is, uh, it, uh, Billy's mum and dad are murdered by a man dressed as Santa. Um, Billy then goes to a school for orphan children where um, he's terrorised by the mother superior. And then uh, at the age of 18, he gets a job at a toy shop and basically goes mad um, and kills a lot of people. Um, Mark, what did you think of Silent Night, Deadly Night? Uh, first of all, did you watch the um, theatrical the uncut I've version? got no fucking idea. At points, did it look like the picture yes, was shitty quality in comparison to the rest of it? You watched the uncut okay, version. Okay. Uh, yeah, th- those, those bits that looked a little bit shitty, they're the bits that have been inserted afterwards. Yeah, fair enough. Um, into it. Um sound like that at night it, it, it's a lot darker than I remember uh, it being I, it's been oh god um, it must be 15 years since I last watched it um, Silent Night Deadly Night um, I, mean, I last watched it on VHS um, that's that's how long it's been um, but yeah it's, it's a lot darker than I than I remember it being um the opening's quite, you know, it, it has a very, you know, bouncy kind of standard kind of, you know, um, holiday season horror movie kind of setting where, you know, it's set in the early 70s to start off with and you've got them going on a little road trip to visit the granddad. And then all of a sudden it just gets really fucking dark with the fact that the, you know, that both his parents are killed and, you know, the what looks very much like and the attempted rape of his mother and at that point I was like oh because when I was watching it I was watching it to talk about it here and I was also watching it thinking well you know got it I, you know, I'm interested to see how this is going to play yeah. in the crowd uh, and we chose this um, over uh, Black Christmas because we thought, well, Black Christmas, we all agreed, as that chose the film, uh, all agreed that Black Christmas is a better film than Silent it's Night. Not, anyway. It's not uh, nearly but, as much of a crowd film, though, is it? But it's not as much of a, a, yeah. a crowd film. Um, and that was that was our worry, was that it, it's quite... It, 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 that's a proper horror film that happens to be set at Christmas, whereas this is a little bit more of a holiday horror film. Uh, but then I was going, oh, God, fucking hell, this, it, it's a bit... It's quite dark, and then the first sort of twenty thirty minutes is quite dark, and then you hit the um, you know the the Billy montage where he's at the uh, where he gets the job, and he's you see lots of bits of him lifting stuff, and it's got quite a kind of you know it's got a nice little tune going on. And you're thinking, oh look, he's get his life sorted out, and then blah. Um, it's also it's very booby. Oh isn't yeah, it? it's incredibly booby. Yeah, I mean it's. Which I'm not no, no, about. no. I love boobs. I mean, Correct. it's just, it's weird. The, the first half hour is a completely different film to the last 50 minutes. Like, yeah. ridiculously so. It's, it's almost like a completely different creative team made the final 55 minutes, or 50 minutes. Um, and I mean, the, the, the thing is, it's like, a, a film where it's a man dressed as Santa Claus basically goes on the rampage. You, 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 you want it to be more fun than it is. 
really. Yeah. Um, because even though, I mean, like, in a crowd, I think there are certain moments of this that will certainly work. You know, it is a depressing experience because it basically is watching this man be taken to the end of his tether and then snapping. And, I mean, that's that's not very fun. No, it's not, is it? It's... Mm. It, it, it is, like I say, it, it's... It's not as jovial as I remember it being. It's not as... You know, there are there are bits in it, and there are some very amusing kind of kills, and once Billy... Once Billy goes mad, he is quite uh, funny uh, in a way with the fact that he's, um, you know, the fact that he's obsessed with dishing out punishment. Um, it is quite amusing, but then a lot of the other bits that go around it are not that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the whole like the way he just goes around going naughty, naughty. You know, it, it's. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it is like they are trying to make you laugh. It, it is a really, really schizophrenic film. And, and, and the, the the fact that you've got the uh, the sledding killing, which 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 has no real reason at all, other than the fact that somebody went, you know, it'd be a good idea. That's the only reason for that that kill. Oh no, yeah, totally. I mean, that's the thing. You don't even see him for fuck's sake. It, it is like they just shot it completely separately and then just stuck it in there. Um, yeah, because I mean, it, it, it is. I don't know. Like the first half hour is 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 actually quite interesting, and you know, in terms of the psychological makeup of of Billy. So then, you know, when the rest of it is basically stalk and slash sequences. It just and and ones that aren't really all that entertaining either. I I, I just yeah I, I I don't know. I just I kind of fell out with it. I was I was very 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 interested at first, and I got less like appreciably less so as the film went on. Yeah, it, it, at my my kind of interest in it did start to wane. Um, towards the end, a little bit, I was, I, I did sort of feel myself kind of going, oh, uh, is it still on? Yeah. A little bit like that. Um, it, 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 it does start to. There is, there's, there's too much, just needless killing. <laughs> you know, he's not targeting people. As no, stuff. he's literally um, just walking around, finding people and killing them. Yeah, and and you know, you kind of think, how many doors did he have to go to? You know, in between the killing at the um, at the toy store, and then when he kills Leonardo Quigley, you know, did he have to knock a load of doors and go sort of look around and sort of go, no, and then walk another one until he found somebody who who was calling a cat without? Yeah, a that's true. Um, and it does seem a little bit like Linnea Quigley's character, and it was was uh, girl walks around in nude, and that that could have been a character yeah. name, nude girl. Uh, it, it did feel a little bit like that, and I'd say it could have been where yes, I, I can imagine watching it in a crowd, it, it, it plays a lot different. Whereas watching it on my own, I felt a little bit like 
There's a lot of boobs in this for no real yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets a little bit rapey a few yeah. times for no real reason. And you can think, you know, it, it, it's obviously, it, it's not a new thing. As such, the the rapiness of horror films. No, 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 totally. I mean, the the, the rapiness of horror films is um, it abounds, frankly. Um, it, I don't know. It was just, it was a, a very, very generic slasher film for me, to be honest. You know. Yeah, it is. It, 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 it definitely is. There's not. It 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 very much is. Uh, wouldn't it be funny if? We had a, a a killer yeah. Santa. Let's write a story yeah. around that. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if if there existed a script and then they went, "We've got this script where this kid had all this. We could turn that into this." Yeah, all right, we'll do that. And then they turned a story into this. When the story is the first half an hour, and then the rest of it is the you know Santa killer. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, yeah, exactly, it's exactly that, but I, I just, I don't know, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, I think with, with a crowd and with a couple of drinks, I think there are moments in it which, which, which would be good, and the, I mean, the, the opening 20, 25 minutes is so fucking surprising in moments that I think you might actually get some laughter out of that as well, um, you, yeah. you know, just kind of getting into the spirit of it, but, um, yeah, it, it I, I, I think I'd have to go definitely shit. Yeah, it, 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 it wasn't as good as I remember it being. Uh, it wasn't as much fun as I remember it being. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with yeah, it's a bit shit. Yeah, which is a shame, but hey, never. But uh, yeah, I, you know we're showing Gremlins after it, so. <laughs> but that's not too shabby. No, Gremlins is nice. great. Okay, so uh, that was Silent Night, Deadly Night. And uh, do we have any Twitter questions, Mark? We do have Twitter questions, yes. Uh, I'll just grab them and, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring them onto my screen. Um, I'll get onto our actual Twitter feed rather than mine. Oh, fuck off, you stupid thing. Right, we do have some um, Twitter questions. First one is from Paul Pigeon, a.k.a. Paul Stevenson, Paul Formulaic, who is sent as a joke question, but we're going to answer it anyway. Um, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck Bollocks. wood? Bollocks. Twelve. Uh, next one. You, I'm, I'm gonna, I am gonna nip your left testicle next time I see you for that one, Paul. Um, it's from Tom, very cinematic. What are the worst films to watch before, during, and after the birth of your first child? Um, alright, I think. Uh, after would be Antichrist for the opening. Um, yeah. Uh, during. Be- before. Sorry. Before I've got to be inside. Yeah, before inside, during maybe Prometheus. Yeah, good one, good one. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say they they work quite well. Boom. Um, 
Oh, um, for all three of them, train spotting. Fair cop. Yeah, absolutely. For that, for that, for that, for that one pretty disturbing thing. Fair fucking point. That. Or uh, another one uh, to watch before Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Oh no. Zombie That's baby. Um, no Mella, aka Film Ram. Uh, did you get a text off No Midweek, by the way? Uh, don't think so. I got a text off No saying Christmas Merry Oh, yeah. Fuck, Fuck yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry, I do apologise, I did. Yeah. No, that was, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, Nom. <laughs> that, that, that did make me actually laugh out loud. Yeah, no, same, same. Um, uh, what holiday is still missing a slasher movie and how would you cast and pitch it? Um, I... Easter. Oh, yeah, what would you call it? Easter. Um, well, I, I, I'd say it um, after Jesus has been crucified and I'd have, I'd have one of the... Uh, I'd have the, the stalker would be Judas because they all know that he... He basically shot Jesus sure. in, and he'd be picking off the rest of the apostles one by one. I like that. And I'd, be, I'd call it. Um, you see, I, I, it'd be great to call it like Judas Kiss, something like that. But there's already a movie called Judas Kiss, and it stars Carla Gugino, and it's a lesbian rape movie. Like so I, I, think, I think that's the lesbian rape movie. Oh, that might be a different one, actually. Um, you and your lesbian rape movies. Fucking love a good lesbian rape movie. Um, I, I, I think it, it might be a different one that's a lesbian rape movie. But anyway, anyway, either way, it's got Carla Gugino, right. which is always great because everyone loves Carla Indeed. Gugino. Uh, yeah, uh, and who would I cast in it? Um, I wouldn't cast anyone. That recognisable as the as the Judas character because I think if you, in a a proper slasher I think it, it's better to have a, a less recognisable face as your um, as your aggressor. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I I'd probably cast some fucking you know a bunch of very sort of good character actors. Um, and fuck it, why not? I'm I'm gonna cast. Um, Carl Gugino as as Mary Magdalene. Blimey! No, it's not actually the it's not the uh, it's not the uh, lesbian um, rape movie uh, Judas Kiss starring Carl Gugino. It's uh, a black male one, but it's actually a good film actually. That I might watch that very soon. Fair play. Uh, Nineteen ninety eight film directed by Sebastian Gutierrez, who also directed the. Uh, oh he did, yeah. Uh, and um, Rise Blood Hunter, Women in Trouble, Electrolux, Girl What's in a Bar, and Hotel Noir. Yeah. Oh. He's also married to Cargagina. Nice. Blimey. So, yes, that's what I got. What would you go for? Which holiday would you cover? It's not really a holiday, but I've always wanted to do a Guy Fawkes horror movie that I'd call Fawkes You. Oh, no, that, that's, that's. Tagline. That's Tagline. Cool. Remember, remember the 5th of December. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. 
it would oh, be it would yes. be about Guy Fawkes who's brought back to life when a mysterious firework is launched into the air and exploded, which reactivates his dead corpse, um, getting revenge on the ancestors of the members of Parliament that ordered his execution. <laughs> uh, that, I, that, I would watch the shit out of that. I just... Yeah, I, I I would I I would I would write that if I had the chance. Well, like if I had time, you know. I would remember I remember the fifth of December. I'm telling you, gold. Yeah. Um. Right, we have one from um, Thomas DJ. Nice. Um, in what movies would you rather see the originally cast? Uh, actors in the lead roles and why the, the originally cast ones yeah so I think it means sort of like people who were originally going to be well, oh. X in a, in, in a film and then were replaced by whoever else went on to, to, to be Blimey, in I don't know because like you'd want I mean really you'd want films that you don't like but then films that you don't like you're probably not going to have that much knowledge on who was going to be someone in the role you know um well, I've got a couple. Mm. Uh, Heath Ledger was originally going to be in Alexander. As what? The Colin Farrell character? Oh, blimey. Yeah, yeah Heath Ledger was originally mm. that. Uh, that, because it, it, it might have been good. Um, I, I'm nothing against Colin Farrell. I actually think Colin Farrell's quite a good actor. I just don't think he's in the right kind of place <laughs> at yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah. Um to, to be taken on a role uh, like that, so Heath Ledger in that would have been um, quite interesting. Um, then, uh, what else would there have been? There was another one I, and I can't remember it now. Um, that'll come back to me in a minute. Ah, I can't remember now. Shit, I had another one that was a good one, uh, but I can't remember it now. Hmm. Oh, that was it. Maybe not. Would I rather see it? But it 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 would have been it'd be would have made the film a completely different film. Was the fact that originally when uh, Penny Marshall originally conceived the idea for for Big, um, De Niro was going to play uh, Josh Baskins. Yeah. And can you imagine how different a film that would have been? And uh, you know how different cinema would be because that was essentially Cruise, um, Cru- um, Hanks's breakout role. You know he, he'd done he'd done bits before, and you know he, he's got more famous films. But that was the the role that sort of really gave him that that exposure and made people go, "Hang on a minute, this this, this guy actually has some acting yeah. chops." You know, and you, you, the rest of his history, as they say, you know, he, he's he'd gone on to have, you know, one of the great Hollywood careers, you know. He's he's still, you know, in movies, you know, now, and still in big movies now, you know, and, you know, he still occasionally turns in good performances uh, now. Um, so it would have been, it would have been a very different, um, cinema would have had a very different landscape, I think, had that, that explosion not happened. Yeah, yeah. 
God, what a bizarre alternate reality that would be. Well, another bizarre alternate reality was the fact that at one point um, Chevy Chase was in line to be um, Indiana Jones. God, and Tom Selleck. I mean, can you, yeah, Tom Selleck. Well, Tom Selleck was yeah, cast, that's wasn't right. he? Um, Harvey Keitel was you know, cast and shot a week. Uh, on the yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, studios didn't want Brando um, as um, Peter Collier in The Godfather. They didn't want Pacino. They wanted Robert Redford. Um, you know, there's there's so many of these of these near calls, and you look at it and go, God, you know, how different things might have been had these these people not been you know not yeah. been cast. You know, the amount of absolute breakthrough roles. Um, it wasn't. At one point, they were trying to. I think Peter Jackson. I might be way off bat on this. Wasn't Peter Jackson at one point trying to get Daniel Day Lewis to play Aragon in um, the? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, like Stuart. I, I think was it Stuart Townsend did a couple couple of weeks Townsend doing it. Was, yeah, he was cast, and then he he. he well, he, he dropped out really close something. to principal photography starting or something. Yeah, um, and you know when you look at the. The way that that you know gave us you know Viggo Mortensen you know he'd been a, a very much a jobbing character actor up to that, um, and he very much has sort of in a way gone back to that, um, but it, it, it's less jobbing. He can afford to be a lot more kind of selective with his roles. He's not uh, you know he's not a, a, a job to job actor in the terms of he needs another job to pay the fucking bills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we might have uh, from Dan Arlington. Uh, what's the best slash worst one-liner ever said on oh, screen? Christ. Um, I mean, the, the uh, best is probably nobody's perfect, to be honest. Um, from the end of um, something like it hot. Um, yeah, that is that. That's a fucking good shout. That you see, all, all mine were from uh, were from really bad action films, and then you come out with that. Sorry, <laughs> that's a fucking. That is a really good shout there. Um, oh fucking, we've got right the restaurant I work in. I'm going to tangent a slight bit here. Restaurant I work in um, has got. It's one of those annoying places. It's got loads of pictures up everywhere um, of people. Um. And there's one of the pictures is a picture of Jack Lemon, right? Right. And it's Jack Lemon when he's in his twenties, something like that. Um, and every time somebody points at it and says, "Who's that?" Everybody always gets it wrong and says, "Oh, it's Laurence Olivier." And every time, like, it, it's Jack Lemon, and the, and. It, everyone's like, oh no, it's not, it's Lawrence Olivier. It's like, no, it's, right, there's a Lawrence Olivier over there, that's Lawrence Olivier, that's Jack fucking yeah. Lemon. And like, oh no, no, it's not, it's Lawrence Olivier. Like, no, it's Jack fucking yeah. Lemon. Nobody believes me. And it is Jack <laughs> fucking Lemon. And it drives me fucking nice. mad. And do you know what the worst thing is? It's in a picture where there's, there's about six or seven different other pictures within this same frame. And it's one of those where it's all sort of boxed off and there's different pictures in it. And none of them have any link. But there's two other pictures of Olivier in that same frame. Yeah. 
one of Olivier when he's really young and one when he's really old. And then there's this one of Jack Lemon. And they and they went, but that's Olivier there. That's Jack fucking Lemon. Nobody believes me. This Jack fucking Lemon <laughs> drives me mad. It really shouldn't, but it annoys me so much. Um, mine would have been something really fucking stupid, like um, I'm not going to shoot you between the eyes. I'm going to shoot you between the balls. What's that from? Commander. Oh, okay, nice. Um, right, we have another question from Thomas DJ, uh, which is a Monarch Mind Control oh, question. Oh, God, yeah. Okay, which actor should be revealed as a victim of Monarch Mind Control? I think we can go full circle, go yeah? Shia LaBeouf. Boom! Think about it, came through, yeah. didn't he? Gone a bit mad. Um, went very successful with Transformers. You know, big studio poster boy. They then cast him in Indiana Jones. People didn't like it. All of a sudden, he's an arrogant arsehole who gets pulled over for DUI and goes a bit mad. And then now, you know, there'll be some kind of redemption coming soon. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, there we go. That's good. That's very good. Um, yeah, I'm just happy to stick with that, to be honest. Fair play. Cool. I'll just double check to make sure that was the last question. A lot of questions. Yeah, that was good. That was, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll just make sure that I've gone through to just my account. Uh, I don't think there is, no. I thought we had gone from, we from Modern Down, but we did go from Modern Down. He was just mocking oh. me for tweeting a pit post. Oh, Kevin James. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that, 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 that's all the questions answered. Fair play. Cool. Okay, so uh, that was it for this week's Dude and a Monkey. Uh, coming up on next week's show, what are we going to be reviewing? What's out? Um, we've got Carrie or Saving Mr. Banks. Okay, so we'll be uh, taking on Carrie. Uh, what, what, what do you yes, think? Yes, my mummy. Carrie, I think Carrie's more yeah, isn't sure. it? Same Mr. Banks looks alright, but it, it, it's definitely a one I can watch yeah. at home kind Fair of vibe. Oh, by the way, Waking Fright is on uh, US Netflix. Nice. Uh, yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, we'll be doing that and the usual stuff. And the next part in our Christmas Mary fun. What the fuck is it? Which... <laughs> um, I don't know uh, do, 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 because it's going to be our first show in December do we do a proper Christmas oh, do you want to do Jingle All the Way fuck we could do Jingle, uh, Jingle All the Way or National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation let's do Jingle All the Way yes Turbo Man right, we'll, we'll be getting our Arnie on with a bit of Jingle All, all the Way next week then and when was the last time you uh, watched a while that? Has it been like Yeah, years? probably, to be honest, mate. Oh, I'm looking forward to this then, because I watch, I watch it every year. Fair enough. Um, so that's it for this week's Doing the Monkey. Doodlemonkey at gmail.com, at Ian Loring, at DudeFoz, at Doodle Monkey. Uh, got anything else to say, Mark, or should we get the fuck out of here? Uh, let's get the fuck out of it. Uh, thank you very much for listening, um, and we shall speak to you Sweet. next week. Cheers, guys. Bye.